open God's words to Isaiah. Going to take a step away from Acts this week. Isaiah chapter 55. I love that Exodus. That is so good to see. Let's open with a word of prayer. Father, we are here today to exalt your name, to lift you up, to praise you, to thank you for your abundant love and abundant grace to us and your mercy. Father, we thank you for being such a gracious God, for being so patient with us. Father, help us to focus on you. Set everything else aside right now and just focus on you. Your word and and the truths in it, we pray for open ears and open hearts, open minds, Father. And ask just that the Holy Spirit would apply your word to each one of us where we're at. We remember you today, Father, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Isaiah chapter 55, starting in verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts and neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there without watering the earth, and making it bare and sprout, and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be, which goes forth from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty." without accomplishing what I desire, and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. For you will go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills will break forth into shouts of joy before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush, the cypress will come up, and instead of the nettle, the myrtle will come up, and it will be a memorial to the Lord. For an everlasting sign, which will not be cut off. Now you got to be careful in Isaiah because a lot of Isaiah applies to the Jewish nation. But at the same time, there are spiritual truths that we want to pull out and apply to our lives. Isaiah, the, the name of Isaiah means salvation of the Lord. And Isaiah is the prophet that preaches more on God's grace than any of the other prophets, minor or major. One of his big themes that streams throughout the whole book is God's grace. So it's rather fitting that the title of the chapter title in, in, the, in my Bible says salvation through God's grace. And we know that, that salvation only comes through Jesus Christ, through the blood that, that he shed for us. Looking in verse 6 there, it says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. We, we have a responsibility. 
We're not, we talk about the sovereignty of God and he is in control and how he calls us to himself, but we're not robots. We have a responsibility. We have a free will. We have a, a responsibility to respond to him. It says, seek the Lord while he may be found, because there will be a day where it's too late. Okay? Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Return to the Lord. There, there is a, um, a, a series of, of actions that we are to do. We are to seek the Lord. We are to call on him. We are to forsake our way. And we are to forsake our thoughts. And we are to turn to the Lord. We always talk about repentance being a 180. We're walking this way away from the Lord. Repentance involves a turning back to Him. Okay? So it's, it's action that is required on our part. It's not something passive that, that we just think about or we pray about. There's, there's actions that we need to take. We need to turn our back on sin. We, we talked a few weeks ago about how our love for the Lord is not just loving Him, it's learning to hate evil. The, the evil is to have no part of us. We are to, to turn from that, and we see that in, in what is told for the unrighteous man and... Uh, Okay, where are the other one? The wicked. The wicked are to forsake their way, and the unrighteous man are to forsake their thoughts. For he will abundantly pardon. That word abundantly, is, as soon as I read that word, it makes me think of the harvest. And, and as we see down in verse 10 there, it talks about the rain and the snow come from heaven. They do not return there without watering the earth. There's reference to the harvest there. It makes... Uh, it makes Excuse me. It makes the earth to bear and to sprout and furnishes seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So even to the, the rain and the snow, there is a purpose that God sends it for. And it doesn't return, it doesn't evaporate until it accomplishes its first purpose. And that is to water and help in the harvest, to help the plants grow. Verse 8, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. I have a note in in my Bible here, and it might help you remember a, a guest speaker that we had. He talked about how big God is in the universe that God created. Our little cul-de-sac, and the, we're part of the Milky Way galaxy, okay? But in, we are not, what do I want to say? We are part of it, but we are not it, okay? And our little cul-de-sac of the, the Milky Way galaxy, our cul-de-sac is 52,850 light years across, Okay, and we're, we're one galaxy out of the millions of galaxies that God made. We're only one of, part of one of his galaxies, okay? You would have to travel, again, at 186,000 miles per second for 52,850 years 
to just cross the cul-de-sac of our part of one galaxy that God created. How big is our God? And we wonder, are his thoughts are higher than ours? Do you think maybe just a little bit? His thoughts are so much higher than our thoughts. And yet, in, in, that, in that same sermon that we heard from Lou Giglio, he talks about covering the state of Texas two and a half feet deep in golf balls, the entire state of Texas, and you find one of those golf balls in its planet Earth. And somewhere on that golf ball, you can see you somewhere on there. How great is our God, how big is our God, and yet he cares enough about you to know how many hairs are on your head. And he cares enough about you to send his son, Jesus Christ, to die. So as high as those thoughts are, he still thinks about us. He thinks about you. And he has a plan for your life. God's ways are higher. We've talked about the rain and the snow. They have a purpose. So we know, in coming up in verse 11, so shall my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. The very words that come out of God's mouth have a purpose. And and I'm I got to explain this carefully because I want you to understand. So if you're only half listening, either tune, tune me completely off or completely on because you, you got to get it all or none of it, okay? So shall my word. That word here in Isaiah is a small w. If it was a capital W, it would refer to a different word. And we're going to look at that word now, but I want you to understand, I'm taking a little liberty here. I am not adding to God's word, and I'm not taking away from it, but I'm going to play on the word, word. Turn to John 1 with me, if you would. And if you would, in your hearts and mind, in the next couple minutes, think of and follow and find for yourself the parallels here between the word being the words that come from his mouth and the word being his son, Jesus Christ. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being by him, and apart from him nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overpower it. There came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came for a witness that he might bear witness to the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came that he might bear witness of the light. There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. 
He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, him, to them he gave the power, the right, the authority to become children of God, even to those who believe on his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but they were born of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I told you. He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. Now, this, this passage in John is, is probably one of my favorite passages in the Bible because it talks, it covers such a broad range. But I mean, it, it, it takes you from creation and, and that God was there before and that his son, Jesus Christ, had an active part in creation. And then it takes, he was the life and he is the light that shines. And it also talks about John the Baptist having the humility and understanding of what God's purpose was for his life. He knew that he was not the light. He was there to proclaim that one was coming that was the light. That would be the light of the world. He came as the light of the world. Verse 11, he he came to his own and those were his who were his own, did not receive him. We've talked about that in Acts. Chapter 2 and 3, where Peter is preaching to the Pharisees and Sadducees. I mean, he just knocks them upside the head with it. He makes no bones about it. He says, you crucified your Savior, the Messiah. You crucified him. And it fits with this right here, that he came to his own. And his own did not receive him. In verse 14, the word became flesh. That's the Christmas story right there. That's the whole Christmas story. That's all we need to know. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus Christ was obedient to the Father. And if you're finding some of those parallels to the words that come from the mouth of God, to the word of his son. His son came to accomplish what the father sent him to do, and he accomplished it. He he became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory. Glory as of the only begotten from the father, full of grace and truth. Grace is what Isaiah is talking about. And that each one of us need to experience God's grace. Because it's that grace which will lead us to salvation. The Word became flesh. Merry Christmas. What what we see here is, is just a depiction, simple depiction of that verse right there. The Word 
became flesh. John bore witness of him. This was him of whom I said, he who comes after me has a higher rank than I. Somebody whose thoughts and ways are so much higher than ours. And yet he came as a babe and grew up to minister and then to die for you and for me. He came to accomplish and complete the Father's desires for him. Let's go back to Isaiah. Isaiah 55, verse 11. So shall my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Let me take just a half a step back to verse 8 when it, where it talks about his thoughts being higher than our ways. 1 Corinthians 2.14 talks about the natural man not being able to comprehend spiritual things, for they're spiritually discerned. Most most people are. I, I mean, if you if you talk about creation, most people think you're wacky nuts. How in the world could that happen? In, in Noah's Ark, oh, that's just a fa- that's a fairy tale. That's a story. You you couldn't get all those animals on the ark. How could you wrangle them all up from all over the the earth to? but God, because God had his hand in it. So the natural man is going to not understand what we're talking about. And that's where God comes in, in his Holy Spirit. We need to pray for those that we're witnessing to and telling about Christ, that God will open their eyes, that that the Holy Spirit will draw them to Christ, because otherwise they're never going to understand. And that's why a way in which his thoughts are higher than ours is, is that we're not spiritually discerned outside of God. Sorry, back to verse, verse 11 there. His word will go forth, so shall my word, which goes forth from my mouth, not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire. Jesus Christ did not leave this earth and go back to heaven without accomplishing the work that the Father had sent him to do. That work involves bearing our sins on the cross. We say, wait a minute, Pastor, that sounds like an Easter message, not a Christmas message. I don't think we can have the one without the other because they're so intimately tied together. The whole reason he came was the cross that we celebrated Easter. I mean, well, it's such a sweet little baby in the manger there in the you know, swaddling clothes. But he came with a purpose, and he wasn't going to return to the Father until he had accomplished that purpose. 
Verse 12, you will go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills will break forth into shouts of joy before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. There was something that Stephen read in that, and I can't remember what it was now. I should have had a copy of it. That, that, that made me think of this and referred to something of this. If you remember it, good, because I don't. Um, no, I shouldn't, I shouldn't go there. I should have had a copy of it. But you shall be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will break forth into shouts of joy before men. What, what, why? What, in this passage, what are they breaking out in joy for? Why are the mountains and the hills breaking forth into shouts of joy before me? Go back to verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him turn to the Lord and he will have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. If we turn to God, God will not reject us. God will accept us. He will forgive us of our sins. That's reason to be excited. That's reason to break forth into shouts of joy before you. And all the trees of the fields will clap their hands. I want to share. My, my wife is a wonderful writer. And th- this was our Christmas letter that, that was sent out with the Christmas cards this year. And since she didn't include them in all the cards for the church family, you better listen close this time, okay? Because you're not going to get to reread it. One of the things that we love about our grandchildren, hope I make it through this, <clears throat> is how excited they get when one of them has a birthday. They love to be together. They always want to know what the theme is so that they can pick out the perfect gift. The meal, the games, the cake and ice cream is all part of the fun, but the real excitement comes when the birthday child opens their gifts. They all gather in a huddle. The birthday child, of course, is in the seat of honor while the others surround him or her in anticipation of when it is their turn to give their gift. They all want to be first to give their gift. We see dancing feet, clapping hands, squeals of glee, and not from the birthday child, but from those giving. As the gifts are unwrapped, they all ooh and ah over each one. They can barely contain themselves, The birthday child loves all the attention and marvels at all the gifts that they have received, but when it's someone else's birthday next month, they are part of the cheering gaggle waiting to give their gift. This is where I'm going to lose it. (laughs) As Christmas draw nears, it makes me think of the gift of Jesus Christ. The Father sent him down to earth for us. His birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection were all part of the gift of eternal life. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The gift is free. All we have to do is to reach out and take it. Just like the birthday child reaches out, and takes their gifts from a cousin, a brother, a sister, an aunt or an uncle, or her nana or pappy. 
The child opens that package and receives the gift. And as the cheering erupts, it paints the perfect image of the angels in heaven rejoicing <laughs> that another person has received and opened the gift of Jesus Christ and entered into eternal life. I don't know if any of you, well, I'm sure you are, I'm sure most of you might be, are, are familiar with the song, I Can Only Imagine. I can only imagine what it's going to be like someday when we get to stand before our Lord. And the, the part that he, he says uh, in the song, he says, um, I don't know if I'll be able to, will I, will I worship or will I sing or will I be able to say anything at all? Will I stand before him and praise or will I fall on my face before him? If the angels in heaven get excited about one sinner coming home, coming to the Savior, I'd like to imagine what in the world it was like when Jesus went back home. After he had been on earth and accomplished what the Father sent him to do. Rose from the grave, victorious over death. That verse in Acts that we've talked about that it was impossible for death to hold him down. It was not even a probability. It was not even a thought. It was not possible. Death could not hold our Savior in the grave. I can only imagine what it was like when Christ returned to heaven. And he sits on the right hand of the Father. And he sits because the work is done. It's been accomplished. He did it on the cross. There's nothing that you and I can do to earn salvation. It is a gift that we must receive. He gave us the gift of his son. He gave us a plan, a way of salvation. Because... As it, as it says in verse uh, 7 there, we are wicked. We, are, we have wicked ways. We are unrighteous. We have unrighteous thoughts. But we need to turn to our Heavenly Father. And He will have compassion on us. He will abundantly pardon us. Because He is the God of the universe. He has a plan for your life. He has a plan for your life. If you're still here, He ain't done with you yet. He doesn't want you home yet. Because He's got something for you to accomplish here. And guess what? When, he's, when that's accomplished... He'll take you home. I look forward to that day. We need to, as, as if you're a believer, we need to consciously be looking for his return. We need to be looking to that. We need to be about the work that we're still here for. We need to be sharing 
the love of Jesus But oh, what a day it's going to be. I can only imagine. You need to know Jesus. You need to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I know that that God has blessed us with a lot of new people lately. And folks... And, and I, and I kind of missed my opportunity a couple of weeks ago in Acts when 3,000 were added to the church. This is my, well, we're good. In, in January, we'll have been here three years already, folks. Is that crazy or what? Three years already. And I don't think that I've ever from the pulpit pushed church membership. We're not going to call knocking on your door every week handing you another application because you didn't turn in the one you got last week. But folks, if you're attending church here, we need to put you to work. You, the, the body needs you and you need the body. And the way our church constitution is written is if you're not a church member here, There are certain things you can't do until you have taken that step. And I, you'll you'll notice in the with the annual report coming up again for in January for our annual meeting. I'm not one big on numbers. I don't write in there that I you know I drove thirty eight thousand miles this year and I made six hundred and forty eight thousand visits and it's not about the numbers, okay. What's important is that you're a part of the body using the gifts that God has given you to further His work here in Newberry. Enough said. We want you to get to work, people, but we can't put you to work in some of the positions we want you in until you become members. We need you to use your gifts so that God's purpose and will can be accomplished so that his words from his mouth his word his son Jesus Christ his truth right here can be proclaimed in Newberry and the job that he has for us here can be accomplished we need you and you need us okay Luke 19.40, Jesus is telling the Pharisees, or they, no, I better turn there. I get all turned around. This Christ is, is making the triumphal coming entry, coming into Jerusalem. Some of the Pharisees in the, the multitude, they're, they're blessing him as the king. The king, the, the king is making his entrance, and the Pharisees say to him, and, and some of them say, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. 
And he answered them and said, I tell you, if these become silent, the stones will cry out. God, God created it. They'll do what he, t- they, that he tells them to. I lost, oh, there it is, sorry. Excuse me. The rocks will cry out. Back to Isaiah 55 and verse 12. For you will go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills will break forth into shouts of joy before you. And all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Stand with me. We're going to sing a 